rolling and rolling and rolling. Make sure you clap. Thank you. All right, uh, so we clapped in and we're all good to go. Hello and welcome to the Pagey Train. It is my great pleasure to introduce to you Von Potiag, winner of Maine the West 2015, uh, runner-up in numerous amounts numerous of times, times, and uh, man of many talents, uh, Spirit of the West, welcome to the Pagey Train. My Hello, my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh man, let's kick it right off and start talking about the the um, uh, the dead man's face was his own, mm-hmm. which is a hard title. Which I hear people get wrong all the time. Yeah, I just I usually reference it as dead man's face because um, it's a bit zingier, you know, mm. easier to remember. Well, what was uh, the what was the motivation behind uh, creating such a film? So I made this film right after. That's okay. Yeah, no, you're good. Just move it. Okay. It. Yeah, yeah, you cool. can move it, move it around. Give it Sweet. a bit of a bump. It's all well, fine. That's good. I made this film right after film school. Um, and when you're a filmmaker, you know, fresh out of film school and you have no idea what to do, you mm-hmm. try and do Tropfest because, like, it's, like, the most publicly recognizable short film sort of, like, arena, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, you know, it's like, oh, if I get into Tropfest, it might make things cool for me there might be a bit of an in yeah yeah i think like especially when you don't know how to get in it's kind of like one of those film festivals or film i don't know i wouldn't call it initiative but like a film program that that kind of is quite inclusive to anyone and everyone Mm -hmm. so i did the thing of trying to get into Chopfest numerous times by making films on just like you know i paid for everything it's like off my own blood sweat and tears Mm -hmm. and uh dead man's face came about because like one of my close friends andrew rolf he's a like a comic book artist like Mm -hmm. he's very like an independent comic book artist and he'd been writing these comics about this detective named parker Mm -hmm. who goes through what happened and i kind of read the comic and was like oh you know i kind of really want to adapt this and I had like this perfect window to shoot a film in December, I think of, um, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to use this as a script. Mm -hmm. And the comic book was literally the storyboard and we just shot it like really quickly. And you shot that really quickly. Well, it was like maybe three day shoot. Okay. Yeah. Um, because it was beautifully shot. It was a very well shot film. Thank you. It, it was. was. Uh, I think there was one. I've actually used it in promos a lot, okay. as you probably would have noticed. Um, there's a one continuous shot where he's running through the park. Yeah, that would have been challenging. That was. I mean, what's funny about the film is that, like, I I watch it now and think about how much I've you know grown up and you know gotten better at the craft mm-hmm. or you know whatever that means and kind of look back at More this proficient yeah and look back at this being like wow we really like i don't know landed we were quite lucky with the few things that we did you know like i remember that shot specifically we did that at usid in victoria park mm-hmm. right outside usid and we had like a gimbal with the camera and we just like ran about four times yeah. we just did that we just tried to do the shot and like we were like we don't know how this is going to turn out we're not going to do rehearsal we're just going to like no blocking, just no. just wing it. No, and um, Tom, who's the main actor, like he was game just to do anything and everything. So he yeah. did a good job as well. Yeah, he's actually um based in London now. He's he's more of a stage actor, but okay, yeah, he's out there um uh, yeah making something. Yeah, no, yeah, he's great. um he's been doing stage stuff. I don't know. I, I must say, um, with the Dead Man's Face, um, it was one of those films at that point of um you know made in the West where we noticed a lift in mm-hmm. filmmaking in western sydney because there was all of always a lot of heart 
and yeah. and you, you occasionally get one of these films that just pierces through. And uh, I remember when that film uh, uh, showed, and even before it showed, when we started. Um, critiquing uh the lineup for the festival yeah i'm like this film I, I said to my crew i said this is this film is an indication of the changing force in western sydney uh i, I don't mean to make you blush about that <laughs> um and that's why i refer to you as one of the original rock stars yeah um and uh because of that conversation that we had that night i've gone you're an absolute rock star dude um i may have been a, bit, a little bit drunk you, at the time yeah, i think you were yeah. <laughs> i may have been a little bit drunk um but uh Ever since then, we've always put Rockstar hidden in all of the print media and mm -hmm. all of the um, uh, social media. There's always a Rockstar hidden in there. Yeah. Because I think, yeah, um, since you, there are other Rockstars that have, have risen up as well. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, what's funny about the film is that, uh, I mean, I must have communicated this to you before, but, like, it was actually shot in 2011. Mm -hmm. And... It kind of had a bit of a life, um, not online, but like it, it played like a few like really small festivals. And then what was weird is that I actually went on this like massive trip. Like I went overseas mm -hmm. for a really long time and I came back and put Dead Man's Face into Made in the West because mm -hmm. I kind of looked at it again and I was like, you know, I kind of, I feel like I'd been, you know, I guess you call it like reborn through like traveling and stuff. So I kind of recharged, kinda, and, yeah, and, and you know, quickened. And I just like looked at the film again. And I actually put it back into the edit and just cleaned up a few things that mm -hmm. I just felt, you know, time had given me the space to actually like look at and be like, okay, cool. This is like look at it. Looking looking at the film objectively, there were a few things that I fixed, mm -hmm. and then yeah, I put that in, and it was like, I don't know that film festival like when it won was a really big turning point for me personally because like mm -hmm. at the time i'd you know quit my full-time job and like mm -hmm. i'd just been traveling and kind of didn't know what to do yeah. so you know like having a big win like that really just i don't know it, it kind of motivates you in a way that you don't really expect mm -hmm. i think like yeah, so yeah, a little bit of a fire on you. Yeah, thank you. Because you've gone out and done a lot since then. <laughs> yes, I have, yes. Um, uh, and a range as well. Like, yeah. uh, let's just uh, go off the resume. Um, you you um, brought out Yang. Was Yang before the Dead Man's Face? No, Yang was after. It was Yang. after? Yeah. Um, which is, a, I suppose, shot in a similar way, but it, the genre is totally different. To yeah. It was, totally different. Yeah. Yang, and, um, Yang and Dead Man's Face are weirdly my genre phase. Mm-hmm. Like, because none of my other films are really genre. No, I think you've really found your voice. Yeah, but it was interesting because, like, I feel like I really liked genre, you know, in my early 20s because it does have, I guess, like, parameters around, like, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of writing and, like, and filmmaking. You can watch other films and kind of take from them and learn, you know, learn filmmaking by, like, emulating your... You're, you're the masters that you sort of yeah well, raise, I so. think that's I think that's a really big point um I actually uh to reference uh, Hunter S Thompson of all people well, yep <laughs> um he he took Hemingway <clears throat> and started typing Hemingway mm. just to know what it felt like to have Hemingway in his hands yeah and so he emulated one of the greats so he knew what it felt like to be great yeah and when I talk to musicians like if you talk to any musician they've never just written a song straight out they've done a cover yeah. first yeah 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 so i think i think there's a i think there's a correlation in film as well you, you you look to your heroes and you try and do what they've done yeah and then once you get to a point where you go well i've done that now mm. what do i want to do yeah um yeah i mean i always find my films in general tend to be quite 
like we, especially with the collaborators, I usually choose like it tend, they tend to be quite referential mm -hmm. to like things that we like, and um, you know every shot that we set up or even story beats like are always kind of referencing films that we've seen or um, you know I like I like films that I like to make films that exist within the film history like lexicon, you know, mm -hmm. like that exist alongside other films. So yeah yeah to find its place yeah and to also like you know just know that your film is a conversation with other mm -hmm. films as well that have come before it and it's you know ideally starting a conversation for future films as well so yeah great um yeah that's a great outlook i yeah. like that yeah the lexicon <laughs> of film i like that um uh, but then we've gone out uh, to continue the resume you've gone and done window which i thought was a fantastic film yes. that's where I, that's a film where i, I watched the viewers are gone there's a film where he's finding his voice that, i totally found my voice for that film yeah that was um that was such a surprise film because like that was the first film that i was able to get Oh, you won't, you won't find it. It's not public. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not out there. Have you, uh, you even got the promo? Have you got the promo? There's no promo. It's being released soon. It's actually, I've sat on it for so long, but I just haven't released it yet. Oh, but, dude, um, you've got to get that film out there. Yeah. It's really good. But it's, um, it, was, it was my first film that was commissioned. Yeah. Like, in general. So, Dead Man's Face and Yang, I, I self-commissioned and, you know, put in, like, a few thousand dollars to spend. But Window was, like by far probably the smallest budget that we'd worked with but mm -hmm. it was interesting to work with actual stakeholders yeah um we worked with the saint kilda film festival and olympus cameras mm -hmm. who had a a bit of a film initiative that it, it was a really weird initiative it was like i was living in melbourne at the time and they um olympus had come out with a new camera called mm -hmm. the omd mark to like i'm i don't you've done really well to get that far yeah i don't even i don't really don't think anyone uses olympus like you're not using olympus here are you no i'm on uh, uh lumix for yeah these bad boys yeah, they, yeah it was Just a, panasonic really yeah no yeah. shade to olympus but um they aren't the best video video cameras um yeah, okay but it was this initiative where you had to use the new camera as a video camera so you pitched um a short film that was very visual mm -hmm. and kind of like had a visual style to it and five films were chosen and obviously window was chosen because it was like a suburban like you know uh very slow meditative kind of mm -hmm. like film that um within the five films that were chosen was quite different mm -hmm. and um yeah and it, and it was it was just really funny because like i'd moved to melbourne because i had i was attending vca for acting at the time and had kind of, I, I don't want to say I ran away from Sydney, but like after my big trip, I just felt like I needed to get away and like be by myself. So I, yeah, moved, I can relate to that. I moved to Melbourne by myself and like, you know, was exploring like my acting side and like, um, and that just led to like more creative expression. So mm -hmm. what was weird is that like I wrote Window and I still have the original, I guess, like pitch document, which literally outlined everything that happens in the film, but like in sentence form. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and the characters don't even have names. I, I'm sure you've realized. So it's yeah, like, yeah. I just, na I numbered them. So it's like one sees two, like two washes his car. One does this. Like mm -hmm. it was so bare bones, the script. And the only piece of description that I put in was like set amongst the Western Sydney, like Western Sydney suburbia. Mm -hmm. And when it got commissioned, the, the funniest thing was that like the f only thing they said that they loved was that it was set in Western Sydney. Wow. Because they were like, you know, this is like quite a, like it can be a timeless film and like you can just use actors to kind of convey this, but we really want you to film it in Western Sydney because mm -hmm. we know that it has such an aesthetic. And like, 
that was really weird because I moved to Melbourne to run away from Western Sydney in a way. And, and then they make you run back to yeah, Western Sydney. Yeah, I had to go back and like, <laughs> so I ended up shooting it in my parents' home, like mm-hmm. I, in my childhood home. And then like I started it as well. And what was weird is that like that film definitely is a, I don't want to say it's a coming out narrative, but like it's, it's kind of like an exploration narrative. Yeah, yeah. I think it has elements of a coming out film, but, yeah. but I think, yeah, it's definitely exploration. And I was like, it, it really did link to what I was going through at the time, which was like mm. exploring who I was and finding my voice. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was also the first drama, like proper, just straight laced drama that I'd ever done Yeah, as well. So. It was very straight up. Yeah. It was very straight up. I think it's interesting that you say that um, they, you know, they wanted to, a selection for, you know, the aesthetic of Western Sydney. Because I think that, that, that's something that, um, there's something to be said of that. Like, because if you look at, uh, it, it comes up time and time again, the artist ratio in Western Sydney of people doing films is, mm-hmm. is uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, and, totally. And the ability to switch different locations and get different um, backgrounds yeah. um, in a short um, distance is, yeah. is quite profound as well. Yeah, Western Sydney has so many better like shooting locations and logistically is so much more friendlier than a lot of city. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being in Sydney, geographical prejudice is so real, mm-hmm. especially culturally. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying like just like racially. I mean like... Postcode. Yeah, postcode, but also like actual like arts culture, mm. you know, like it's so city-centric, inner west kind of thing. And I, I've... Ever since Window, I've shot all my films and projects in Western Sydney because I'm just like, you know what? I kind of want to be be able to park outside the studio or where we're shooting and not get a ticket and not get it, <laughs> not have to move my car every two hours yeah. or like, you know. Um, and it's all about also like I feel just so comfortable shooting in these places and knowing like I feel like whenever I do shoot in Western Sydney, it's not like I'm thinking of the power of the representation because to me like I'm just shooting the story, but. I definitely see the power of that representation mm-hmm. afterwards. Like when we had Window, so Window ended up playing at a lot of like national f- film festivals, mm-hmm. and it was really fascinating because like I remember going for a lot of international ones mm-hmm. and getting a lot of feedback saying that like it they didn't recognize Australia in, wow. in the film, and I was like, "What do you mean? Like, what does that even mean?" Oh, you mean like from an Australiana, yeah, kind of perspective? Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. like. The suburbs that we put on screen, which was, it's Minchinbury, which is quite close to here, but like, they just didn't see that as Australia. So we were getting these notes back being like, where is this set? This is so weird. Like, you know, and like the, the characters have weird, like accents and stuff. Like we don't, we don't understand where this is set. And I'm like, it's just in amazing Sydney, you know, like, and it, and also like, you know, the other actor, Jordan Galloway mm. is a close friend. Like he's from... I think he's from, like, country New South Wales, you know? And, like, you could argue that, like, you know, people who aren't, like, on home and away, you know, mm-hmm. people from Western Sydney have a certain, like, body type and a certain look kind mm-hmm. of thing. So even they were like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> he has a weird body. Like, we don't know what that is. And it was really fascinating because, like, a lot of national film festivals, Australian festivals, understood what mm. what that landscape looked like. But um, outside of Australia... It, it just didn't resonate. Yeah, it's amazing how those perceptions uh, could be like that because of films that we've put on the international stage. Yeah. And then we actually go to do something that is down to earth and yeah. we go, this isn't an Australian film. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot... Um, I've been talking to a lot of people about this as well, like um, thinking about how much we actually shoot in Sydney because I think a lot of the suburban stuff that's going international... A lot of the suburban stories that we tell here that go international are actually shot in Melbourne. Mm. So we have a really good idea of like the Melbourne suburbs yeah 
um, in the feature film space, but like mm-hmm. not much actually is showing Western Sydney. Yeah, yeah, and the, uh, the yeah suburbia in yeah. that sort of way. Yeah. yeah, well, they've done a few out here. Like I remember when I was a kid, they did stuff like the Idiot Box. Yeah, uh, it was one of the films that was shot um, uh, in Western Sydney. Uh, even um, Two Hands that was shot in Western Sydney as well. Yeah. Oh, Sydney and Western Sydney. Yeah. Um, so there's there's those ideas. Well, when you see a um, Parramatta Road in a in a you know a, a multi million dollar production, yeah. you're like, oh I man, love it. yeah, I absolutely that's great. Love it. It's great there, to see. There is definitely something magical about seeing like somewhere you you recognize nice on screen mm. it's you can't deny that there it it i don't want to say it validates you as a person but like it just validates your experience mm. um the way i always talk about it is like when i think back on you know history cinematic history and you look at like the 1960s and 70s when they just started to film in brooklyn mm-hmm. new york like before that people always thought brooklyn was gross like it was just like oh god this bar is like disgusting Mm. but you know filmmakers just flocked to brooklyn and started shooting films on the streets and all of a sudden it became what we know is brooklyn now you know like you you understand the history that's there yeah the accents the yeah the the, the, um the dialects the buildings but also like the vibe and the culture and kind of what's existing there and i think like that's the power of representation is that it normalizes an area and actually shows you the potential of stories in there well i wonder if there's a comparison between that movement when people were making films in brooklyn was it about the same thing that we're going through about accessibility i actually think so yeah yeah um my like last year i actually curated um blacktown shorts Mm -hmm. with the blacktown art center so it was like a film festival where we actually commissioned five short films and that was kind of one of the you know the one tenant that i actually had for the festival which was like i want to work with blacktown filmmakers who have a strong connection to blacktown Mm -hmm. a personal connection to blacktown but also shoot in blacktown yeah because like I just think it's so important to actually show where you live and what's recognizable to you because mm-hmm. other people will latch on to that image and see themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, you know, you can argue the power of cinema and representation. Yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, Blacktown Shorts, what <laughs> what inspired you to do that? Like, Because I think we um, from Made in the West, we get content now yeah, from yeah. Uh, Blacktown Shorts, which yeah. I think is a great buzz yeah. because now it's just it's creating these nodes of where people yeah. are making film. It was funny because, like, in the last Made in the West, I had... I called them, like, my, my, um, my grandchildren, yeah. these Blacktown Shorts, because I actually, like, I just helped like sort of executive produced them but I, I didn't have any creative input i kind of just guided these filmmakers if they needed it and it was it was really interesting to see them pop up in the festival yeah, <laughs> and flourish man yeah. but some of them have done really well um you know speaking um uh, we'll, we'll come back to some of the other films uh, later but um uh halal girls yeah um <laughs> wow um i was looking at it before um we were talking off uh, off air before i thought it was five hundred thousand hits for this bad boy but it's yeah. around six hundred thousand six, hits hit, 670 now 670 yeah. approaching seven hundred thousand hits that's phenomenal yeah. dude that's it's really well done it's very crazy because like um we actually like me and my producing team and also like abc who i who commissioned the show like we we continually like go to the metrics on social media and try and figure out why yeah what's the trend and what's pushing it yeah and so many like and we actually don't know like we actually figured out that it's hard to do it's somehow been picked up by the youtube algorithm Mm -hmm. so like obviously the majority of our views are on youtube but Mm -hmm. like we literally have exponential views that won't stop growing but it's at the same rate 
Yeah, yeah. Daily. It's it's really strange. Yeah, like, so it has a consistent growth. Yeah. And you can't pin uh, you can't pin it geographically or no. you can't pin it no. um, through a context or, no. or and even like us trying to you know because we're quite active on social media like us pushing out content or us like pushing people to the YouTube channel like even that is not it doesn't attribute it to doesn't, it. No. Not at all. Yeah, uh, look, just, like stumped. Well, I could I could tell you that with a few uh, with a few. Th- there's a few clips that I've run on my channel where I go, okay. Um, so this is a documentary that I made about cars. Yeah. And you can see the trend for car enthusiasts. Some things are very predictable. Yeah. Because you're hitting a market, and that market's receptive to that yeah. to that film. Uh, but there's other ones where you don't. You're like, uh, you look at the. I've looked at the uh, geographics of the viewership. You're like, why are people in Argentina yeah. watching this film? It's um, weird. It's weird how it works, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know, like, it, it kind of was a good lesson for me to just think, like, I don't... My thinking now is if you just do the good work and put the hard work in development mm-hmm. and, you know, try and make good, like, make good creative decisions around your project and take care of it, um, it'll just naturally find its audience mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I think that's, that there's something to be said for that, uh, especially about putting in the hard work yeah. and speaking from the heart and doing something. And Because I think that's where originality comes from, is when yeah. you speak from the heart and have that... Um, honest conversation with yourself and then that uh, honest conversation in uh, you know the production of film yeah um, you can really start hitting hitting nerves that you didn't even know existed yeah I think I mean like I think the strongest thing you can do as a filmmaker is to actually have inclusive practice Mm -hmm. but I always say that inclusivity starts with yourself Mm. like you got to include yourself in that conversation as well Mm -hmm. and like know your motivations behind every film that you're doing because filmmaking is like anything in life just a series of decisions Mm. you know it's like millions of decisions made up to create a, a child essentially yeah I, I call all my children i call all my films my children yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so um yeah and you got to raise that child you know and like mm-hmm. it's really up to you to figure out what's best for that um child and i think like the best thing you can do is l- if you create a safe space around it and ha- let it have its own identity it will end up telling you what it wants mm. which i think is always the most powerful place you can be as a filmmaker because um I'm just going to, like, kill this metaphor now, but, like, (laughs) the child has your DNA, you know? So then, like, intrinsically, you are your film. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if you can get to that place of um, filmmaking that is both personal yet, like, uh, you know, an actual process, Mm -hmm. it's quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. I think there's certainly something to be said for that. But let's backtrack for a second. Uh, Let's... uh, you, You did a film... Was it yeah shading? Yes. So shading. Um, I can't. Let me think. Was that 2018? 2018. Did you? Was that still at the Paddington RSL for that one? Um, or was that Event Cinemas? No, that was Event Cinemas. That was Event Cinemas. I remember. I actually missed that year because I was caught in a storm in Melbourne. Ah, oh, that's right. Because it was the, these hazardous storms that yeah. were going on at the time. Oh, that, oh, yeah. Now it's coming back to me. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I was a bit bummed that you weren't there, man. Yeah, so because we finally got the brass ring right. We're like we've. <laughs> We moved it from the the Roxy where we're on this little tiny screen, yeah. and then we had you know this SD screen in uh, the Paddington, which was which was quaint and it was great. Yeah. But then we got the brass ring where we're doing DCP event cinemas, big screen, big shout out to event cinemas. Yes, thank you, thank you, um, thank you for this opportunity and for this platform. Um, but yeah, that wasn't that that was you went on a different track that on that film though. That was more of a documentary, yeah. Yeah, that was um. 
That I was commissioned too, yeah? Yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. commissioned. SBS? All, all my films are commissioned. They're all commissioned. Oh. <laughs> Not to... I know. Oh, God. That sounds really bad. No, that was actually commissioned... That's a good thing, dude. By, um, it was by Create New South Wales and Diversity Arts. Yeah, okay. So they were just looking for sh- for small films that actually were, you know, from Western Sydney filmmakers that mm-hmm. explored topical issues um, about diversity within the art sector. Mm. So what was funny about that was that, like, I actually got commissioned to only do a... Um, a three-minute film mm-hmm. and end up being about seven and a half minutes and i typical yeah and i just <laughs> like it was one of the times where i'm i'm always happy to kind of like cut back and mm-hmm. you know cut a film and be like okay kill your darlings kind of thing but with shading i actually was like yeah you know what i think i'm right in terms of like <laughs> having to keep at this length and yeah. it was just hilarious because they continually were like we need to shorten it. You need to shorten it. Need to shorten it. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, seven minutes is still good, though. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was a good length, and also like, it was a really good, um, training ground for dealing with the trauma mm-hmm. with the participants as well. Like, and something that I really felt like I, you know, I'm really big on inclusive practice and kind of like allowing people to create that safe space around people to actually like, um, be themselves in in what you can argue are not like hospitable environments like film sets you know Mm -hmm. like and one thing with shading was that it is a documentary about the practices of makeup and lighting on people of color Mm -hmm. in on stage and screen and how that how there's psychological effects that are unseen Mm -hmm. because like you're told that your skin shade is literally like is being tweaked Mm. and you know to be personal about it like i actually did create the doco um, because of my experience on the window, mm. which was like we were sitting with a grader, and you know, I absolutely love the film and like love the creative team on that. But I just remember being privy to a conversation between the cinematographer and the grader who were talking about my skin tone mm. without really consulting me. Yeah, you know, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you know, like just add a bit of blue to this shot." And I had to be like, "Hey guys, look, I don't feel comfortable with that grade because it doesn't look like me." Like, yeah. it doesn't look like my shade of brown. They were like, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's film, it's different. I'm like, no, it's not, because you're actually grading the film to the white guy and putting that same, like, LUT on me. And I was like, I need someone who understands my skin tone and, you know, like, the greens in my skin to actually be working on this. But surely you could find a LUT that would find between yeah, the two tones? of course. Wouldn't well, that would be the scientific approach to, to Yeah, that? well, we ended up doing, like, two different grades for the actual shots to match them. Um, but it was just like that, that experience, like having to actually decide to speak up. And I was like, you know, it was window. I was directing the film. It was like my little baby. I was like, why am I feeling uncomfortable to say this? Why have I been excluded from my own production? What's going on here? So I just started like talking to a lot of people about this issue. And Mm -hmm. so shading does feature three, three different actors who kind of have gone through the same thing and and have their own like little pockets of trauma. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a good shoot like we shot that over one day and we kind of like we didn't keep we obviously like tried to cap the interview so we don't end up with like millions of hours of footage but we were like you know what yeah keep the ratio down yeah but we were like you know take the time you need like speak as you want and like we had to take as many breaks as we could like Mm -hmm. some of the performers broke down on camera and we had to kind of like yeah it was a good lesson for me in in how to work with difficult content difficult content and also like trauma trauma especially like unseen trauma Mm. and i think that has definitely fed into a lot of my work now 
Well, I think it was a, uh, it was definitely a hit at Made in the West. Uh, it's a shame <laughs> that you were stuck on a plane uh, know, in Melbourne. I know. Uh, but uh, last year, 2019, Tom Girl. Yes. Uh, to, oh, my God. To, to put it in perspective, holy shit, man, what a film. <laughs> um, it was very well received. I'm just so glad it, um, it came home. I always say it came home to Western Sydney because mm. the film was shot in 2017 and, you know, was was on SBS. So it's an SBS commission, and we kind of have been touring it all over mm-hmm. um, the world, like, not just Australia, but like it did mean a lot to me to mm-hmm. kind of finish off its film festival run mm-hmm. in Western Sydney. Yeah, great. That's all, <laughs> man. You know, with with the audience that kind of can can you know, it's shot in Blacktown. They can see the, they can literally see that the station arcade and know it was shot there and like yeah well obviously a very personal film uh, that's certainly written from the heart so yeah. what are some of the things that inspired you to make this film so what was funny is that like um it was just after like so we'd done window mm. and i'd actually moved back to sydney and uh, me and my producing partner Marin smith we you know we we formed our little production company and in 2017 um we actually got, we were recipients of some Screen Australia funding mm-hmm. for development for like a, a little web series. And what was really weird is that um, our executive, this is such a long narrative. You feel it's free to, fine. Feel it's free fine. To, We've got time. Okay, cool. We've got plenty of time, man. <laughs> Tell us the narrative. But, um, but, but people want to know, man, because it, look, it, it, it has so many compartments and, uh, you know, um, devices to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, it is yeah. so layered. Yeah. And, and also, you know, like, I feel like, Film, like life, is a series of, like, millions of coincidences and decisions. So, mm-hmm. this is explaining how Tom Girl got birthed, I guess. Yeah. How I got pregnant with this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. How'd you get knocked up with yeah, Tom Girl? That's what we want to know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Screen Australia executive that we worked with, he actually um, chose to slow us down as a team. And he was like, you know what? You guys, like, should go out into the industry and try and get, like, better at your Mm. filmmaking craft like just try and make stuff and like Mm -hmm. he was really strategic with us and um i mean this is advice that i'm giving out for free as well but like you know use the clout that you have to try and open those doors kind of thing so um create new south wales uh, announced a an lgbt initiative Mm -hmm. for film and we're encouraging people from you know uh, marginalized communities like Cald community Western Sydney to kind of come in mm-hmm. so me and Marion were like you know what let's try and go for this and what was really funny is that like we had no idea we just had no idea what to do we just knew that we wanted to do a film and at the time like I I, I took a flight to Melbourne because I just was going down for a holiday I could just clearly not get enough of, of, <laughs> of Melbourne like I you know didn't want to leave it but mm-hmm. so I was flying down to Melbourne and um, I just was sitting on the plane being like okay i really need to develop a film like i really need to have something to pitch to marion because like we're running out of time and all this stuff and um i just like sincerely thought like why did i move back to western sydney Mm because i was like i fucking love melbourne so much i'm assuming i can swear on this podcast uh fuck no okay (laughs) cool (laughs) but yeah i just was like i love melbourne so much why did why did i bother moving back to western sydney it's Mm. so boring i fucking hate it Mm. etc etc and then, um, as you do when you were, like, younger, you know. And then I thought, like, well, the reason why I moved back to Western Sydney was actually to be closer to my parents. Because, like, I'd worked, I'd lived out of home for six years and I'd travelled overseas. I hadn't really, like, I'm still very close. I was close to my parents, but, like, I'd never, I hadn't, like, spent time with them. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why, that was a big thing about why I moved back. Yeah, I can relate to that. And the first thought I had when I did that, when I thought that, was like, oh, God, I fucking hate being Filipino. 
Really? I was just like, oh, God, it's so, like, gross. Like, my mom's, like, so stereotypical of being a Filipino. You know, like, yeah. kind of like she's Catholic and all this stuff. And I, I was just sitting on this plane just having these thoughts. And um, when I thought that, I literally, it's like all my, I don't know what I call it, like chakras or something, aligned. Like, my thoughts just struck straight through my body. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, I think I need to reconnect with being a Filipino person. Like, and culturally, I yeah. need to reconnect. And I started... The Melbourne flight is very short. It's like 45 minutes, right? So I, yeah, It takes longer to get off the plane than yeah, it does yeah, to fly. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, this was the whole flight, just having these thoughts. And I landed and called Marin and was like, hey... I want to do a Filipino film. I don't care what it's about. I just need to... I need to do a Filipino film. I need to get this out. Yeah, I I need to work this out with myself. I was like, there's just something that really, like, inspired me to do a Filipino film. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, yeah. She was like, thank thank Christ. Because, like, that's exactly what I wanted you to do as well. She's like, yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing how sometimes someone can see something on you that you don't see yourself. Oh, I mean, Marin, if you're hearing this, she has a knack for that. She's always she's always like, yeah, I knew you'd get to this conclusion. I just needed you to get there on your own. I'm like, yeah, I knew it. But, um, but yeah, and then obviously the film related to, like, um, you know, me coming out as a queer person as well. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to, like, reconnect with my Filipino roots. And a lot of that was to do with, like, my memories of Philippines. So I've only been there once when I was eight. And I remember distinctly, like, having a cousin who was bakla. Mm-hmm. So, bakla is, like, where men cross-dress as women. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I learned all this stuff through research. But, like, bakla doesn't actually translate to gay in English. But it's it's kind of mistranslated. Mm-hmm. So, it's not actually an, a, a, a sexuality. It's kind of like a cultural identity. It's a mm-hmm. cultural sexual identity. Um, so, mm-hmm. it denotes the actual practice of cross-dressing instead of like labeling them as like gay or straight if that makes sense yeah yeah, that makes sense um so to me that was like oh my god like wow you know there's so much nuance to being filipino and it made me really like question my relationship with like with english with the western world with australia like being Mm. um really diving back into my filipino identity and I just remember my cousin who, yeah, was bakla and, like, would cross-dress. And I was eight at the time, and he just was amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just was like, oh, my God, you just don't give a shit. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. And then the other thing I remember around that time is, like, me coming back to Australia from that trip and telling all my friends about, like, my superhero cousin who was just like, like he was, like, just didn't give a shit, you know? Like, and, you know, you, your heroes when you're a child are kind of, like, you know, they inspire you. And mm-hmm. my my friends were just like, that's weird. That's really weird. Like, but that you saw him as a superhero? In no, the, that, like, it's just, like, your cousin's really weird. That's not normal. Oh, him personally? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I remember being like, why is that weird, though? Like, I don't... I don't when you're in Philippines, no one judge, no one judges like the bakla, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like a cultural practice that's normal. But in Australia, all of a sudden, it was weird. And well, you th- find that weird because there's a bit of a, um, you know, in Australia, there's a drag, drag yeah. culture. Yes, right? yes, totally. And it's something that um, you know, I think Australia's proud of. Yeah, and they've even made you know Priscilla Queen in the desert. Yeah, we've made, we've made international exactly. stages on this exactly. on this topic. So it was just like. A really weird, like, thing I remembered. And then the second thing, the third thing on that now, is that, like, at the same time, um, the word bakla kind of, like, 
exploded in my school which is like a, it was a catholic school in blacktown shout out to saint michael's oh god <laughs> but like oh dear yeah but like all these um you know when you're eight when you're seven or eight and like you call each other gay because it's funny and it's like an insult and you're like oh my god you're gay and it's like hilarious mm-hmm. right so like the teachers have got a wind of so many kids using this as a slur mm-hmm. that like they they just ban- they banned the word you couldn't say gay at school okay and so all these what happened was all these white kids like learned what buckla meant and started calling like everyone buckla and i just that that was literally imprinted on my mind these white kids who taken this word that they didn't understand and were this filipino word and were throwing it around mm. and that's literally the first image of the film wow yeah man you really went deep on that <laughs> yeah. didn't you oh wow yeah well man i'm really glad that you got to do that to um you know uh uh, throw that you know fishing line down into yourself and then yeah. pull that out that's that's amazing man yeah i never knew that side of it like i, I always thought when i watched the film like okay because when when you see someone make a film you, you you can see the attributes of them in the film yes yeah r- regardless of what genre it is yeah. like even when i when, when i write films I, I i'll be like well that person's a little bit like me yeah you know? yeah yeah because yeah. you, you reference yourself when yeah. you're writing um i could see that but oh wow i never I never knew that it had come about. I never understood that you had written it with that much reference. Yeah. It was um, interesting, too, because, like, the relationship with the mother, who's also called Esperanza, and Mm -hmm. that's my mother's name as well, like, Mm -hmm. um, who is a nurse in the film, and my mother's a nurse, and... But also, like, her style of parenting, I guess, like, um, and her relationship to Australia, and also her relationship to her son of, like, Mm -hmm. having these idealized expectations of of her son becoming western mm-hmm. you know like it, it is a very common thing in in filipino circles and also asian asian families too but you know me specifically all my cousins had the same experience of like their parents literally s- speaking to them in tagalog like mm-hmm. all their childhood and then swapping to english mm-hmm. because they were like well we need to give our kids a chance to actually mm-hmm. like flourish in a english-speaking country so yeah, they, from an assimilation yeah uh, point of yeah point of view, yeah and there's this kind of like weird trauma that you go through as a kid of like being like why aren't oh okay so now you're just going to speak to me in english now mm. and oftentimes that english is broken so you lose that communication with your parent yeah you know like that you you don't get the nuance of what love is from your parent because like they don't they can't communicate with the intricacies of language. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's like, you know, at the beginning, at the end of the film, literally the mom is like, I don't know how to communicate to my child anymore because mm. I've I've just lost... I, I don't know, even know if my child loves me. And Uncle Norman's like, no, he knows, trust me. Like, yeah. But you, you can speak in Tagalog, though. I can. I, I do that weird thing where I can understand it fluently, yeah. but I can't string a sentence together. Okay, wow. No, I've, I've, I've actually, yeah. um, uh, with some of my um, I- I- Italian friends, uh, that their parents will speak Italian, but they can't speak Italian. Yeah. I'm like, why wouldn't you want to... Uh, I, I just find it... Because, um, you know, with my partner, Misty, uh, she can speak Slovak, and I go, well, I'm making ev- an effort to speak uh, Slovak. Yeah. So that I can have that power of being bilingual. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's a powerful thing. Yeah, totally um, is. Yeah, I think oh, it's amazing how the, the, the things can turn like that, where you go, no, we want to assimilate, but we don't want to um, speak the, our native tongue, so we need to learn English. Yeah. But you'd think, you know, in this day and age, like, you certainly would want both yeah there's also i mean like for me the migrational story like i think there's always a bit of trauma in terms of moving moving country Mm. and like having kids in a new country you kind of want them to like to have their feet solidly in the country they're in Mm. you know like my parents don't hardly talk about their childhood 
Mm-hmm. And they just, it's not like they refuse, but like they, you just have to probe them so much because they're like, eh, you don't need to know about that shit. It was in the past. Like, you're here now. You don't need to know who these people are. And I'm like, I would like to know who my family is. Mm-hmm. So there's that sort of tension as well. And again, like with Tom Girl, I did try to relate that in the sense that like there is this simmering idea of trauma mm. underneath all of these all, the three characters lives mm-hmm. who's like justin the main kid his mom esperanza and her brother norman mm-hmm. who's, who's the uncle um you know i i wanted the language and i wanted the scripts to kind of denote like you know uncle norman's literally like no because justin's like you know i want to be i want to dress up as a girl because girls don't get hit and uncle norman's like oh no girls get hit too mm. you know and to to hint that he's been beaten or has been the recipient of violence yeah um as as a buckler as a crossdresser as well and then you know like showing the mom like having a photograph a family photograph and having the dad scratched out again hinting yeah. at, hinting at like the trauma that's underneath that was yeah the way that the way that you did the visual language for that the way that it was scratched out has this you know you can see that it has a violence yeah. connotation to it yeah and you're like whoa yeah, yeah it really hits you really hits you on the right on the spine yeah so stuff yeah. like that like that obviously was buried under this 10 minute film that celebrates everything filipinos <laughs> well look, look again though it was certainly well received but i think um you, you've uh you, you've suffered a uh, look a, a different trauma in a way of being the 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 most frequent runner-up in yes. Maine the west oh my god over the last decade <laughs> uh the amount of times you've been runner-up because uh, we because we, we do the scaling yeah and we're like okay because uh, you, you watch it like a bar graph that grows yeah. and shrinks grows and yeah, shrinks yeah, grows yeah. and shrinks you're like oh they're head to head they're head to head and like Oh, no. I will say it's, it's been an honor. It's been an honor being nominated and being a runner-up to so many fantastic films. And I fully am supportive of a democratic process. Well, I'm just really <laughs> so. glad that you keep re- resubmitting. And I, and, I, and I do, yeah, I love that you say that um, because it is a democratic process. Yeah. It's something that we're very, um, it's very open book. Yeah, yeah. It's very open and honest. And it's something that we like to celebrate. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you were hinting on it before about, you know, um, diversity, but rather inclusivity. Yes. Um, and, and that's what we're about. It's about that being inclusive and being proud of your postcode. Yeah. Being proud yeah, of where yeah. you're from. And it's okay to be you. Yeah. Whatever that is, it's fine. Yeah. What What the weirdest thing about me coming back to Western Sydney post-Melbourne, which is like, you know, my transitional year of like <laughs> becoming Vaughn. But like, you know, I... Vaughn's journey. Yeah. <laughs> but like I... Um, prior to that, when I'd lived in Sydney, I'd always been so city centric. Like I went to UTS, I went mm-hmm. to UCID, I lived in Glebe. I just like was always like focusing on the city. My whole life was in the city. And then the last five, four years that I've been here, I've just been Western Sydney. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I still do kind of work at the Joan, like on and off, just mm-hmm. like front of house stuff. Like I have a lot of friends in Penrith now from the Joan as well. Like I have really close friends and. What's amazing is that, like, the people here are so naturally inclusive without you realizing it. And when you try and tell people who aren't from Western Sydney that, they're like, oh, but aren't they, like, you know, all bogans who are judgmental? Yeah, that stigma idea. I was like, no, they're actually the most open people. Like, they're the, like, I've never had to justify my existence to anyone Mm. who is from Western Sydney. And I think that speaks volumes about, like, the actual community in this area. Mm. Um, And I definitely think, I always say this, like, the film industry needs more of that. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, we're really proud of it. Um, And it's something that happens organically. Yeah. It's an organic thing. It's, like, so, like, the natural inclusivity, you know? Like, that's one thing that, like, I mean, it's been interesting and 
I'm, I mean, we can go into this because you know we have time. We <laughs> but, always um, have time. We have but plenty like, of time. Navigating <laughs> navigating diversity initiatives and navigating like film industry politics and navigating inclusivity on other people's terms, but that aren't mine from the film industry, has been really tough. Mm. You know, because like it's it's having to like understand that I'm intersectional and that I'm like Filipino and queer and from Western Sydney and knowing that like when you when you engage with the industry who is just going to marginalize you threefold because of that, mm. you know, and like, and then to be invited into these rooms or projects or, you know, getting these commissions that have like diversity strings where it's like, Oh, you're going to get this because you're this, you know, yeah, the, the, the box ticking mentality, the boxing mentality. And I'm like, I totally applaud that and, and support it as a, a tool for promoting conversation. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, um, me personally, like I've started to shy away from from that sort of part of the film mm. industry. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. So have I, because uh, like, and and it's actually come from compliments mm. in Maine and the West. People go, "Oh, it's just great that you guys are very diverse, mm. and it's uh, you know um, that you're promoting you know uh, uh, female directors, um, uh, directors of uh, you know air quotation color." Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not the person that it, it, we. Films don't win because of a person. Mm. They win because of the film. Yeah. It, 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 it's about the content that they've made. And also with Made in the West, I feel like I've never seen any, like, social media or outreach where you are, like, trying to actively get marginalized people to enter. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, it's not... I don't think I've ever seen you be, like, we need more film, female fil- filmmakers. I, th- I feel like it's just naturally females. Like, they're, they're just... They come in and All enter. these directors are out there. Yeah. They're everywhere. And I think that's like, I think like that speaks to the idea of inclusive practice in an institutional level, mm. you know, like, um, and I think, I don't know, I, I am saying this film industry needs to learn a lot from, well, I think, um, we're lighting fires under people and we're getting people motivated to, and then we encourage them to be themselves, whatever that is. Yeah. And then you end up with this, um, plethora of different content and yeah. it, it's so, the, the, if any diversity exists, it actually exists within the content itself. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that's different. Yeah, because um, there's a, such a variety of films that we get. Yeah, um, we used to get. Don't get me wrong, and I, I think they're great. Like we get horror. We used to get a lot of horror films. Yeah, always getting horror films. And and and, uh, and there's something to be said for that. It's great to have that genre. But um, yeah, and what we're noticing now is we're getting a variety of different genres. Yeah, we're not yeah, just yeah. getting that um, because I, I think horror films are one of those entry level films where people have they're I mean, motivated yeah my first films were genre like i said before yeah so. <laughs> yeah so genre films that are, that are motivated that way and, and i get that because you're, you're emulating your heroes and yep. you're, you're motivated in that way um but what we're seeing now is these really honest films mm. that are really they have heart and i think that's the biggest thing they have so much heart yeah i think it's also a testament to the idea of um having screening opportunities that allow a community to come together mm-hmm. you know i just think like when i was in film school i would never have thought that there would be other f- western Sydney filmmakers you know because i was you know, i was going to uts like um and i was like one of four people of color <laughs> in that whole cohort mm-hmm. um wow back in like 2007 but you know like and also having to travel in from from blacktown every day and i just was like remember all my classmates just i was like wow you just don't know anything about western sydney you know Mm. and so for me like existing in the film industry for so long i've just always felt alone Mm. and then like what happened was like when i moved back to sydney and i started getting started trying actively work in western sydney i had so many film industry people 
ask me like where do we get more of you you know and i'm just like look there there are so many filmmakers in western sydney you just need to create the opportunities for them to actually like screen their work and mm -hmm. come together as a community and like lower your gates you know like yeah. it's um like the talent is out there but there you just have institutional barriers that you don't understand. yeah man uh, well this is how it started like mainly we started out of protest man mm. yeah it really did um uh, a bunch of uh, me and my friends we made a film yeah. like most people do when they're trying to make a movie yeah they go we've got this idea we've got the script we've got the equipment we've got the locations we've got the actors right let's go do this movie yeah and you and you shoot the film and you edit the film you're like oh man we got our baby yeah it looks great let's get it out there and then as that um, we went to uh, so many different film festivals and yeah. no one would accept our film and then we we got a bit downtrodden by that yeah we're like what have we done wrong so we decided to go along to the film festivals that rejected us. Mm. And we realised we watched some of these films are like, you know, not being, you know, yeah. self-righteous. You're like, our film was better than yeah, 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 half yeah. of these films. Yeah. Uh, what's going? And then you ask the question, what's going on with that? Yeah. And then, and then we got to the point where we're like, you know what? We'll just screen it ourselves, right? So we'll find a venue. Yeah. We'll screen it ourselves. And we realised it's really boring showing a 10-minute film just on its own in a cinema. It's yeah. a boring idea. <laughs> yeah. We're going to invite 100 people. We're going to watch a 10-minute film. And then, then what? So, yeah. we invited other filmmakers. And that's how it, that's how it began. Yeah. That's how Made in the West community. began. That's it, it, I mean, that's began exactly how Chopfest began as well, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, well Chopfest is our bigger brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we're actually... We do have alliances. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, we do, we do promote each other. But I think they're in a bit of trouble at the moment. I think they're, in, they're coming in December now. Oh. Because it was, should have been on by now. Yeah, was it in Feb? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, look, I, I must say, I, look, not to talk too far out of school, I hope they get their, their, their game together. Yeah. But I went to their website and I got a 404. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, it's been good. It's always been good that they moved to Western Sydney, though, to be mm. in a park. Oh, look, I'll talk to you off camera about that. <laughs> That's an interesting story. Oh, no, I've heard things, too. I've yeah, yeah. Things too. You know the story? Uh, I know a story. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to say that on air. Um, yeah. Yeah, we went through a, a bit of pain and struggle over that. Wow. But we made we made friends in the end. Okay. Yeah, we'll just cool. leave it at that. Okay. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but it's all positive, man. As long as people are making films and we get platforms to show them, uh, at the end of the day, that's what we want. Yeah. And that's that's where, we, that's where we're striving towards. Uh, yeah. We're in our ninth year. We're about to go into our tenth year next year. I'm already thinking about next year. Yeah. I done this year's festival <laughs> you're an insane person ross um <laughs> no but look uh there is so much going on in western sydney the accessibility the uh to equipment to people to locations and the freedom to do what you want yeah uh that's the thing that i really like is the freedom yes i totally mean free. the thing i always say uh, i've said this like for so long is that um we, I, I think we actually need more producers mm. because producers in producers naturally they create the business they create the connections mm -hmm. like you know me working with Blackstone Arts and like me being around Made in the West as well like you know there are producers who are actively making these things together but mm. I, I remember with Blacktown Arts like um, when we were getting Blacktown shorts together we had never done a screening in the showground mm -hmm. for instance so then like when I was working with her, and I was working on Blacktown Shorts for about a year and a half mm -hmm. in, in some capacity as a curator. And, like, to have to literally, like, find a, you know, find a company that did an outdoor projector mm -hmm. uh, with a screen and then, like, 
work with the logistics team at, at Blacktown Council to understand like a public event capacity and how like it's not a fair it's a screening so we need seats and like tickets and you yeah. know like having the cafe open at the same time like it was weird but those conversations had to be had and I just was like I was sometimes amazed being like oh my god like it's actually quite easy to do an event like this but you just never had someone try and connect it all together yeah yeah you, know? you, you need that um uh, that person that's driving it yeah and it, and it takes an administrative arm to do it yeah, yeah yeah so yeah yeah definitely like collaborating with um the producers at blacktown arts really helped but it did teach me a lot about like i don't know reflecting on it i just think we need more producers to actually like connect the dots because Western Sydney is so sprawling. Yeah. You know, there's so many creatives here. There's so many businesses. But, like, to have producers and creatives who are actually, like, m making those things happen and making films that are culminations of those connections, mm. I think. Yeah, I think that's something that, um, like, uh, Still Searching uh, Productions runs into a lot and it's something that we do a lot of. Mm. And that is, uh, like, um, event development, um, you know, screenings, um, events, and... Yeah, you're right. Um, it's all about executive producers and producers. If you get the executive producer behind you, you've got a little bit of money to drive. Yeah. And, and generally, you don't need a lot. Mm. You don't need a lot of capital to get things going. Uh, you do need some, but you don't need the entire world to do it. No. Um, but then you need those people that have the ability to connect those dots. And to connect those dots, you need to be able to be a little bit articulate, mm -hmm. a little bit patient. Mm -hmm. I think that's just, <laughs> just a little bit of patience. Yep. Uh, look, I think the biggest challenge that I've faced as a producer in Western Sydney are the councils being in different geographics. Yes. So yes. when you're trying to do something across a platform of, you know, two and a half million people yep. and you go to one council and say, we're doing this, but it kind of crosses over with this other council. They'll go, well, we don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. You're like, well, but it's very helpful for our area. Yeah. Um, and that's where I, that's where I find the most difficulty is, yeah. is um, the synergy between councils. It's so hard. Like, um, as in one council is fine. Yeah. But when you that is really hard. Like I know Tom Girl was um, lucky enough to be supported by Blacktown City Council, and mm -hmm. same as Window. Um, but with Halal Girls, it was the first project. I think because it was a bigger scale mm -hmm. project, we were able to get support from Bankstown City Council, Parramatta City Council, and Blacktown. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't even shoot in Blacktown. It just they just wanted to like support me as a person. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it was like. But it was really. Don't forget to mention us. Yeah, mention us, please. But it was like it was really <laughs> it was so tough to navigate that, and you know, like to <coughs> we shot the majority of Halal Girls in Parramatta, and then had three days of shooting in Bankstown mm -hmm. City Council in in the council there in Greenacre and in Bankstown proper at the Arts Centre. And, um, like, going from Parramatta City Council, which has, like, such a refined um, relationship to film, you know, like, they, they, do, yeah. they, they try and attract, like, bigger films and things have shot there. And so they totally... And, they, and a lot of their staff have been involved in yeah. film as well. So, so they totally knew every... Like, yeah, we they, were, they get it. We were, like, filming permit, they're like, oh, you know, they signed it straight away kind of thing. Yeah. And no, again, no shade to Bankstown <laughs> City Council at all. But, like, I've, I just feel like it was clear that they hadn't had much relationship with film. Yeah, it's a so, bit more arduous in that, yeah. in that sense, yeah. So it just became, like, a month-long, like, shit fight to get approvals in that council. So mm. I was like, okay, so I have, like, five shoot days that have been fine, and we have three shoot days in, in Bankstown that are sandwiched between here. And mm. now, like... 
we're worried because like we don't have approvals for that and it just was like yeah and now it's in the balance and we yeah. don't know it's going to happen and it was a process yeah. of us to actually be like okay look like i know we're stressed and i know that we need this approved but like i had to keep going like i have to understand that th- we are breaking new ground here and like you know we're we're creating this connection between like this council and film so like i need to be patient and i need to like it'll all work out well that's why the patience comes into it you gotta be a bit patient yeah um uh, no paramount are really receptive i found that liverpool are quite receptive as well liverpool um they're 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 very keen to get people into their district to make um creative projects yeah yeah um but there there are others that uh, that they're keen it's just that they have a lot of red tape and 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 a, a lack of not understanding but language yes there's language breakdown of uh you know sort of jargon there's jargon issues in there yeah even even like um like relaying if you if you're not around production um teams like relaying your scale of production mm-hmm. you know like to say oh we have no standing lights we have a moving camera mm-hmm. that's not going to be on legs we have like scenes that walk through a space um we're not invasive we'll we have crew who are hidden in like a, a little unit base kind mm-hmm. of thing even that was like what does that mean i don't know you know yeah. like and it's like i remember we were having troubles with the council who just were like oh no we need you to pay because like this is a big production and we're like no 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 it's like that's on screen now we literally shot there like it's three actors with a camera and a soundie and like a director on a monitor half a street away that's it kind of thing and they're like uh, okay but what does that look like i'm like it's gonna look like five people on the street walking <laughs> you know like <laughs> I was like, it's we're hard in- to translate it sometimes. Yeah. It and really like, is. We're not blocking up the street. I was like, okay, cool. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. we're not stopping traffic. Yeah. Uh, we don't need any police support. Um, it's yes. fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard- sometimes hard to translate. And, and that, again, though, it comes down to that jargon. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that translating that film jargon into, uh, um, you know, a public servant. Yes. sphere yeah. can be difficult yeah really can but with that said as well um another council that i found is very keen for you budding filmmakers out there is a campbelltown oh campbelltown are very receptive very cool yeah okay. they're like please come here make a movie that's yeah good to know <laughs> yeah because okay. they want your business yeah, yeah yeah they want you to go in because essentially when you go to uh, um especially for um medium to larger scale uh, productions you go into those spaces you they know that you're going to be using their um you know uh, economic field so you're going to be yeah you're going to be shopping there you're going to be yeah. buying things there um you're going to be getting people inspired yeah yeah and they, totally. and they know that there's a role on effect they understand yeah. it so they sometimes will cut through that red tape and go yeah you can yeah. shoot there what what's good about it as well is that like you i always feel this like your film absorbs the environment it's created in you mm. know so like you know even though we had I, don't, I want to say there, there were issues. They were just like production, like it's just things you have to solve in production. But like yeah, your standard um, problems, that standard problems that come up in a film. Yeah. But like you know, I like to think that Halal Girls like absorbed that madness of um, of of Bankstown, the chaos of like mm. the cultural chaos as well, and that informed how the show came together. So mm. I totally think like you know, never never view these issues as like make or break things. Like let your project absorb them and kind of like. It'll. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. That's really good advice. I, I think you worded that well. Let it absorb it. Yeah. And grow from it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, actually, speaking of advice, uh, we, we were doing a show with you uh, recently, uh, Main the West TV. Yes. And I've taken some advice away from something you said. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't forget to live. Yeah. I think that is totally. really good advice because we get so tied up in being creatives and trying to make products, we forget 
people's birthdays. Yep. We forget family events. Yep. We got to remember the reason you start to make film. Yeah. I I just think like film is always personal. Even if you don't feel like your film is personal, like and it it doesn't have to mine your own trauma or like be a biographical film. Like anything you work on is going to absorb you. Mm. You know, like your stress that you have in terms of like um, your family life or like your home life or your living situation is going to come into your film. Mm. Um, so I think like that's something I learned, you know, like having a bit of a balance between the creative side and, but also like carving out time for me to actually exist as a human mm. <laughs> as well. And, yeah. Like, yeah. Don't forget to be a person. Yeah. And like eat properly and maybe exercise once in a while you know like mm. it, it's just like i i feel like when you're in production there's not i i just don't i think like when you're starting out in film you always do that thing where like you have so many shoot days and then you get sick mm-hmm. you know and like and i'm proud to say it now that like i haven't been sick on my last two films afterwards yeah well you've got to keep the sword sharp right yeah and so i think diet is a big part of it i think working out for me working out um i've got to break it to your kids when you get older you got to work out a lot more you've got to work out because your body needs resilience and that comes from a bit of uh, body stress and that's exercise totally um you know you need to go through those things but as well you need that psychological um uh benefits as well of being around your family being around your friends not forgetting to keep in contact with people And, and no that like in the film industry um which i've been privy to see and like i don't speak much of because like which i can i can if you have questions about it but like (laughs) you know like working within the film industry now i'm I'm really happy at a place that like the place i'm at now like meeting so many other filmmakers they have lives too you know Mm. like you're you're going to these projects and going into these rooms with other humans Mm. you know and like and for me like i've been lucky enough to be like to to be like a freelance writer and a freelance creative and Mm -hmm. a freelance director as well who's worked who's working with some you know very big production companies and they invite you to the table because of your life experience Mm -hmm. you know like i think that's something that a lot of people who are looking to jump up to the next level of industry don't really realize that like you as yourself are the best selling point for you to get further i think that's 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 really cool man because what yeah. you're saying is it's not <laughs> just about your skill set no it's about who you are as a person and what you're doing totally there's a lot of like untalented people who network their way up <laughs> to the, <laughs> yeah to, no totally like i think but, that's every industry though. yeah i think but, that's like, every industry i always think like the best rooms because i work a lot in tv like writers rooms like the best writers' rooms are the ones where, like, someone has literally curated who is invited to that table because they the project needs that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. like, and they they uh, they know the they know the writers personally, and they know like, oh, he's really good with dialogue, and like, oh, he's really good with like cultural um, inclusivity, and I'm going to bring him in, and like, oh, he's really good at like store or she, sorry. I'm gonna say, too many he's but like you know like he's it's okay she's really it's good. okay von you can say hey it's fine but you know like she's really good with <laughs> story structure and like you form that team to come together and i think mm. like but the one thing that i've seen is that like you know these people are getting in because they are they exist as themselves you know 
Yeah, oh, for me, look, um, it, look it's speaking of that, um, one of my best talents in the world is getting the best out of somebody. Mm. I can walk into a room. You put me in a room with talent, I can make stuff happen. Yeah. doesn't necessarily need to be the thing that I'm making. You put me in a room with people, I will get a product. Yeah. That will always be the case, regardless of what industry it is. Um, I'm just, I, I guess where I, 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 I channel uh, Andrew Lee. Um, you know, uh, Andrew Lee is someone that I, I've talked to about it, you know, and uh, it's about it's a little bit of a hustle. You got to be able oh, to. Oh, is this Undie? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, totally. Has he undie. done one of these? No, I've got to get him on. Oh, okay. Big shout out, man. Big shout Hi. out. I'm coming for you. Hi, Undie. Hi. <laughs> um, no, we had him on uh, Main the West TV last yeah, year. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, he put it into, uh, uh, you know, he articulated it very well. It's, it's about. And not a hustle in a negative way. I mean this in a positive mm, way. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to be able to draw on what's around you yes. and draw out of people yeah. and be able to also give. Yeah. He yeah. is such a hustler. Oh, my God. He's um, a worker. He, like, one thing that really changed my, I guess, my filmmaking prowess. And I'm not trying to, like, plug anyone here uh, at all. But, like, I did this creative intelligence course with the Compton School, mm-hmm. um, which is a new school that got formed in 2018 that um, sought to give, to empower creatives, not just working in film, but, like, music and art, to, um, with emotional intelligence. Because they've, it's, I don't know if it's, like, a, a bit of a tragic story, but, like, I know one of the founders was the ex in excess manager. Mm. So, you know, he obviously been working in the music industry, he'd seen the effects of like art and like the lack of um, creative uh, emotional awareness within the personal lives mm. of the artists that he was working with. So they would burn out. Mm. And this school, I just did a, a two day course with them, but it was literally tailored at like creatives and gave you methods and you know practices that allowed you to not burn out you know like Mm. to know to little things like time management and like working how to like what works best for you and what was good about that was that it was so like tailor-made to you personally it was like you can do this or you can do this see what works for you and i remember one thing that i i spoke to andy about which is something we both do is like your circle of influence Mm -hmm. is something that a lot of people don't really tap into which is like you know as an artist and as a person you actually get so much more benefit from working from the people who are immediately around you Mm. and you have to realize that like yes you may want to make a hollywood film you know in you may want to work with matt damon and whoever's like up and coming like you may want to direct a marvel film but like right now that's not in your circle of influence Mm -hmm. and the best thing you can do is create a project that taps into your circle of influence. Totally, man. And naturally, when you keep doing that, your circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I recommend to people, if you want to make a movie, write a list of 12 locations that are within your grasp. Totally. Write a list of uh, 12 actors that are within your reach. Yeah. And write a story about that what fits in the confines of that. Yeah. Because then it's achievable. Yeah. There's no point of writing a movie that you go, right, I want Matt Damon on the on uh, on Mars yeah. and uh, I'm going to shoot it on $10,000. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. No, it, it it just won't happen. But, you know, like if you make a film that's like set in your backyard about like something, like it can, it will happen. Well, there's been guys that have done it. I think um, you know, going back to uh, the, you know, uh, horror, for instance, uh, the, the, the two guys that made Saw, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
they ended up doing a short film and they won this contest where they were given a million dollars to make a film and they're sitting in a bar going fuck what do we do now we've got no we've got we're out of ideas and we've tried nothing um so they were sitting in a bar and mad max was on tv yeah and there's a scene in mad max where he goes that saw can cut through your leg but not the chain yes and they're going that's it saw and the whole premise of that film is built around that idea yeah and it's two guys sitting in a bar drinking a pint of beer yeah figuring out fuck we actually caught the car yeah you know, two dogs chasing a car they actually caught it and we're like what are we gonna do with this car yeah and they panicked and through that panic they calmed down and got influenced by an australian film and then took that into another genre yeah and totally made a, an empire out of it and look at them now look at them now you know and uh, like I like I always I one thing that I've always been fascinated by as a filmmaker is like career trajectories like one thing I always do is when I know a film is coming up or I like it's like directed by this person I will always look them up mm-hmm. I always just love to know how people end up in the the roles that they do and like what it, what they've done before mm-hmm. and you always see it you always like and, and know that like in terms of film industry and like how the media portrays it like know that everyone has like those gap years where they were a nobody yeah and you know like so if an there's act- no such thing as an overnight no, success if an, if an actor like pops up in a role and just like where the fuck did she come from or if a director's like oh my god he's like the next wonder kind like know that they actually always have worked so hard to mm. get where they are yeah so your circle of influence is is really important yeah right? and, and, and i think it's sticking to what you have within your reach yes yeah yeah totally. and know that like you know as that's something that i to get you know more personal in terms of like especially this we year we haven't got personal enough no i know <laughs> but especially this year i've i've really started to define myself as an actual like artist and away from my necessarily away from my films you know like yeah. i think in past like Tom Girl's a personal film, so people watch Tom Girl and like think they they understand me. So for me, I'm trying to really flesh out what I want to do. Um, Always bumping that mic. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Don't but, um, it's all fine. <laughs> you know the I always say this that like I it's been fascinating to work in Western Sydney because mm. I do get a lot of people asking me how like you know how did Halal Girls end up on ABC? How did Tom Girl end up on SBS? Mm. Like um, and I. I always tell them like it's not out of reach it's just that i've you know i've i worked in a cre- creative agency for six years and like made it was something ridiculous like 200 commercials you know mm-hmm. under my belt in that time like i made short films and i failed a lot i have like short films that have never seen the light of day like of course we've all got those yeah but you know like there's there's so much experience behind um behind the success you know and yeah, there's a lot. Like it's like, you know, um, you know, someone that rides a BMX in a park, right? They do yeah. stunts, right? Yeah. You're gonna get grazes. Yes. You're gonna you're gonna get bruises. Yes. And no one talks about your injuries. No. They only talk about the flip that you can do. Yes. Right? Oh, I can tell you tell you some injuries <laughs> yeah yeah oh, oh, so can i <laughs> but it's the same thing man like uh you know working in uh community tv for you know uh, you know a good long while um i don't even know the amount of productions that we've did i don't know how many commercials i made yeah um but you know uh, and, and working at different companies you, you i'd have a million people at the end of your mouth yeah so many so many audiences and so many so many things you learn that but there's all these little small compartments that make up that bigger picture yeah and those small compartments are the hard work that's the hard work to get to those moments of gold yeah 
like I'm. I mean, I'm not trying to be like have a baby tantrum about it now, but I just no have a baby tantrum. You know, about I it. I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> at times some people, especially because like I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I run into it all the time. Yeah. They're the same people you run into a pub. I've got a movie idea. Yeah, got it's a, also you like, make movies. I've got a movie idea. Also, because like I'm I am Asian. And I might. I guess I look younger than I look. You know, like oh, look. I've got to say. I've got to say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, all right. So in window, I had to figure out whether you had a brother or not. Oh, really? Yeah, because like, I was watching this dude on, 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 on film, your film. Yeah. I'm like, does Vaughn have a brother? I'm like, no, that's Vaughn. We have to wait till the credits to figure this out. No. And, and Misty and I will be debating, no, no, it's Vaughn. No, it's his brother. He's got a brother. I'm like, no, it's Vaughn. And then it turns out it was... It was it, me. It was you. It was me. So, yeah, you do look rather young. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it's... You make me look old. Oh, well, I mean, thank you and you're not. <laughs> But, you know, like, I just feel like I always get um, accosted because I look accessible. I, it sounds like such a terrible thing to That's say. It's not a terrible thing to say. But, and it's, it's kind of like, I do have to always come back and say, like, look, I've been doing this for a while as well. Yeah, bring and, it back down to earth. And that, like, you know, I've been, I'm 31 and, like, I've been doing this since film school, which, which where I was, like, 18. Mm. So, like, just know that I've... You know, last night, for instance, um, I was in an edit suite till 2 a.m., you know? And it's like, when I was doing Halal Girls, I was sleeping in the edit suite to get that across the line. Yeah. And, you know, yes, it's on ABC and people are watching the YouTube views and people celebrating that film and, like... A lot of sleep, sleep deprivation to get it there. Though. And, I, yeah, and I will watch that series being like, oh, I remember when, like, I was, like, in Palm Springs for a film festival and having to stay up all night mm. so I could stay on the phone with the sound mix that was happening in Australia and then, like, literally landed in in Sydney on a Tuesday and had to, like, deliver the full series by Thursday night. Mm. So I, like, went straight from the airport to the edit suite and didn't leave that until it was done. You yeah. know, 48 hours in there. And I was just was like, that... But that's not the narrative that's, like, fun to talk about <laughs> yeah know? Like, like, <laughs> i know i know it's not fun to talk about but at the same time i, th- I see uh, for me sometimes that's the juice yeah because you when you at the time you're like this is torture because oh, you'd be like editing you know you'd be doing the twisty hands yeah. getting it done like yeah i've got this some hot key all over this I'm, yeah. I'm good to go and then you know you, you drop a file down you're like where is it like, yeah. i've got to work on my file management you start to have this conversation with yourself yeah. gotta work on my file management Oh, they didn't clap that. Oh, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> okay, I'll find it. It's fine. Uh, and then you find yourself speaking through your teeth, and you're like, "All right, I've got this." And then you get to the point, and you swear at computer. And you're like, "Look, it's not your fault, computer. I'm sorry that I shouted at you." Yeah. And then you do get to sleep after you've done an extensive eight-hour edit. Yes. And you wake up the next day and go, "I'm really glad I did that." Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's like filmmaking is is. I think filmmaking is really personal. You know, again, I keep coming back to this. It's it's all about what you want to put in as well. And I always say, like, you know, like, same with writing. Like, people think... I think, like, there's this common misconception that writing is really easy. You know? But, like, if you spend... Really yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I can so spend difficult. eight hours a day writing and end up with, like, two pages. And But that work is all in there and your project is absorbing all of that mm. work you know well what about let me ask you speaking of writing right do you ever get to that point you know you say uh, I, I you know, sometimes look at a blinking cursor yeah I get up out of my chair 
Yep. Walk back and forth. Yep. Have a cigarette. Have a drink. <laughs> Realise I'm drinking too much. Have a coffee. Yeah. Get back to the blinking cursor. Start writing. Um, it, I, I get to. I, I guess I get to this transition point. It's actually happened to me while editing, editing as well, because mm-hmm. it's all in your mind, right? And mm-hmm. you've got to get it out of your body. Yeah. And I find there's this moment where there's this synchronicity between my hands and my body. Yeah. And my mind, and it just starts to flow. You get yeah, beyond yeah. the blinking cursor to actually flowing. Yeah. Flow yeah. state. Yeah. So real. Um, I find that very addictive. It's like, I think they say it's like, it takes five minutes to focus. Mm. So like, if you sit down to do something, like edit, which is, I, I, I swear, like whenever I sit down to a new edit, I am like tearing my hair out. It's fucking terrifying. But then like <laughs> half an hour in, you're like, uh, yeah, okay, I can do this. You yeah. know, like, but you just have to spend that initial five minutes trying your best to like, put your energy into it writing is the same like because struggling with the fear yeah i I always say writing writing is like one of the most difficult parts of what we do because you're literally you you know you have a big bang and Mm -hmm. you have a universe spilling out in your mind that you have to condense Mm -hmm. into a form that other people can read yeah so like and that's that's kind of how I approach filmmaking is that like writers take the universe and condense it into paper and then directors break that back into you yeah, break, they, they break burst that, that out again. Burst yeah. that open into universe. So, like, yeah. but you know, as a writer, you have to kind of like explore that whole universe and know everything that's in there, and then make decisions of what goes in and goes out. And it is such a hard process. But I think, like, I mean, I'm at a point now where like I can sense if a script has done that. You know, yeah. Like, I'm, well, I have different methodologies to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I love palm cards. I'm a big yes. fan of palm cards. Yeah, so yeah. when you're chasing a narrative, yeah, I stick the palm cards up on the wall, and yeah. then you come to a dead end, and you're like, oh, suspension of disbelief has fallen apart because that doesn't make sense with that. <laughs> yeah, right. Palm card. Right. How do we palm card our way out of this? And then um, get it up on the wall, and then I and then I write from the wall. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I love doing. I love doing that. Once I've got it mapped, mm. once I've created that map. The, that blinking cursor yeah. is really easy to tackle. I'm really a big fan of like zero drafts where your goal is to just get to the end of your script. And I, I you know, like I always like look at how people write and like screenwriting advice. Like I, I steal so many people's methodology, but like one thing that I really love is, um, I think his name's Robert Cargill. He's on Twitter. He's really good at mm. advice, but he says that like what he does is he writes um, when he's inspired, he just writes and writes and writes. And then if he ever gets trapped, he doesn't stop. He just puts in brackets, this shit happens. Or, like, something emotional happens here. Or, like, character A does this. Oh, so and he then, was in a dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and then he, and yeah. Then he just keeps writing. Yeah. And he's like, the best thing you can do is just get that zero draft down. Because then, like, once you have a draft, you can edit it. And you can see what you're missing. Yeah, once you get to an edit stage, it becomes easier. Yeah, um, totally easier. But with that said, like, um, uh, uh, Misty, she does a lot of my editing for me. So, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll a word vomit a script out. Yeah. And then she'll go, all right, let me repair this for you. <laughs> um, and oh, she, she did one for me last week, which is one of my babies at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, which I've got coming out. Uh, production's coming soon. Oh, here we go. I'll be releasing it next year because it's going to take me a year to build it. Uh, it's only a seven minute short. Yeah. But uh, it's my baby. It's yeah. the one I've been thinking about for oh, 10 years. So good. 
but I got it out. Yeah. And when I got to tell you, I was I just felt elated when it left my fingers. Yeah. And then I, re- I related back to that Hunter S. Thompson idea when you feel it in your hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is where I find that buzz. But uh, I like people to understand that to get to that buzz, you need to go through so many stages to totally. get there. Totally. And it's not just given to you. You have to go and get it. Yeah. And not yeah. to sound like not to sound too psycho spiritual because I'm like. I look at the creative process, uh, you know, as like a, a kind of a very holy kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, and I keep saying that, you know, like your methodology is personal and figure out what works for you. But at the same time, like it depends on your project. Like each, yeah. each project demands its own methodology as well. Like it's going to be a bit nimble. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, like I'm, I'm working on like a half hour comedy for TV and that has its own process of like, I need to know what the characters are doing and I need to map out the, the episodes and the series outline. So I'm solely working on outlines, you know, mm-hmm. but then like, I'm also writing a play where I, my, my form of development is just to have discussions with a director weekly mm-hmm. and come up with images. So I'm, I kind of just have like images that are defining what the scenes are and I will eventually write it. But it's just like, I know that, my my vibe is that like that play requires that type of development yeah know? so it brings you back so those images bring you back to a centaur yeah but yeah. that but that seems to be working for that particular play you know yeah yeah so then so. like that's what's been fun about actually being a filmmaker and a storyteller and and you know i work across stage and screen but to to be able to like learn development techniques and then to th- be able to throw them at different um projects and and knowing what each project once. No, I think that's a good perspective. So you're looking at it from a toolbox kind yeah. of uh, point of view. So you're like, oh, I've got this task and they require these tools. Yeah. But I think, yeah, to develop those tools, that's, that's folks, that's where the hard work yeah, is. Yeah, it got, is. That's okay. where you've got to explore. Yeah. And you've got to, and you've got to, you've got to triumph and fail. Oh, and you'll fail. You, you will. <laughs> you will. <laughs> you just will. Like, um, it, it, like, and it happens in a, a lot of things that I do, whether it's musical film or promotions, right? Um, things will flop. Yeah. They'll flop. They'll they hit will. the ground hard. They will. And they feel horrible. Yeah. It feels horrible they when do. they flop. It feels really bad. Re- I think resilience <laughs> is like the biggest asset you can have as a creative mm. or a- a- as a filmmaker. Um, I, was, I was speaking to a producer about this yesterday, but like resilience, I think, is also one of the things that they don't teach you how to have. Yeah, I think you're right. Which there. is why, like, when you look at the industry, you know, um, and you look at who's kind of coming through. That's why um, you sh- most likely those people are the most resilient, mm. you know, and you can argue that like if you are from, you know, a richer family or a richer demographic or your postcodes like two oh something yeah, yeah. like you don't um, you kind of are able to enter that sphere of the industry because like your resilience is being earned by different things. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And you haven't been um, downtrodden. Yeah, in that way. But yeah. with that said, though, I think the thing that really um, trumps everything is passion. Yes. If you are passionate, yeah, you'll continue. You just find a way. You just get hungry. Yeah. You get real hungry, and I, I, I have not uh, found a point where I have uh, been fulfilled. I'm constantly hungry. That's that's I think like the best point. Like the the moment that changed for me was when I realized that I prefer to work than I do to like release films mm. like when i when i started seeing filmmaking as actual daily work mm. where i was like okay i just have to like keep going and like i have so many things in development and this is happening you know this project's up to like scripting stage this is that post like mm. but when you start to see your actual creative work 
um, as daily work, then it's you actually get to a really good point mm. because like it's not make or break. It's not like you're not going to crumble if it all falls through. Yeah, yeah, it's your part you know. parcel. It, yeah. yeah, I'm doing this, and that's it, and that's what it is. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. definitely like it's a good plateau to get to. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, again, that like I keep saying this, but like it works for me. You know what I mean? I, I keep, I always yeah, just, but I think that's pertinent, right? Because yeah. you got to you got to have that disclaimer in there because people are different, man. Yeah, we're, we're similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like all of us are very similar. We're all human. Yes. We're all driving towards happiness. Yeah, and a lot of us will coat. Um, that, 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 that code of pain on something that what is happiness yes but the way that we pursue that is different yeah the way that we get there is different our methodologies are different the way that we interact is different yeah and I think that's part of that inclusivity of recognizing yeah, that yeah totally and then coming back to that yeah. and, 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 and just being cool with it yeah and the beauty of it is that like when you realize everyone has their own way of working you know who to collaborate with mm. for certain projects mm. you know so like you you often find in the industry that like oh it's like oh I really want to work with that director or I really want to work with that writer I just haven't found the project yet mm. I think that's a really good spot to be in so that when you do finally align you can make something that's you know going to speak to both of you mm. in in your collaboration yeah totally and, and as well I like I like feeling the buzz in other people yeah I do I really get off on that yeah, yeah. um that's why I say I like I like finding the best in someone if I only can find the best in me I think that's my <laughs> uh, challenge uh, for the next 10 years perhaps um but look uh, let, let, let's uh, let, we got to plug um Halal Girls yes um so it premieres this Friday ne- yes uh the 28th of February it's having its world premiere screening at Riverside Theatres at 7 45 and that's Parramatta in Parramatta uh, where can you go for tickets for local um, at the riversideparramatta.com.au they're, yeah. their official website so it's part of the it's part of their cinema um, their cinema stream and how do we contact you if we want you to make a film for us find me on socials so like at vonpat v-o-n-e-p-a-t give mm-hmm. me give me a follow because I love having followers oh, but, look, um, look we all need our followers man yeah. we need I'm, I'm like I'm quite I don't want to say I'm quite accessible, but like I am someone who loves to talk about <laughs> their process and to share what I've kind of gone through. And like, obviously, if you're going to come at me and be like, make my career for me, then I'm not going to do no, that. No, well, that's not going to work. But you know, like I, I love giving back to people and um, to... I've got this film idea and I, do you have a script? No, then I can't help you. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I, and knowing sort of what to tell people at when they're at that stage and like yeah. yeah i'm always happy to kind of give out advice and stuff and try and create more networks and, and be a part of the conversation yeah i think that's a good point like you know a part of our generation is like uh, like so working with um uh, older generations in the industry they're very secretive about the craft oh yeah very secretive i can i can say some stuff about that actually yeah you know actually. like i oh, know this is the i won't share what we we're talking about luts before no yeah. no this is the lut that i use yeah you, you yeah. can't have that because yeah. that's my lot, right? Yeah, I'm not going to show you how to build it either. It's like, um, okay. It's actually a really weird. It's um, color grading people, just for yeah. people that are listening to know what a lot is. Sorry. <laughs> it's a it's a really weird experience, and like I actually haven't spoken about this publicly, so like this mm. is a bit of an exclusive. But I okay. want to, you know, I want to share this because I think like the people who are listening to this like can kind of get an insight. Um, so in terms of like film and TV, like I work at um. I don't want to say a high level, but like I do work with a lot of established production companies now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been really weird because especially last year was the big year that I started working um, at, at a certain level that I would deem 
like quite professional like yeah. i don't i don't necessarily have another job like i don't have a day job so i'm lucky to be, yeah yeah you've crossed over yeah I'm, well, I've, done, I've done the crossover cross back crossover yeah, cross back i've done the uh, I'm, I'm the yo-yo i know i'm like yeah. how long can i stay in this side of it but um yeah yeah just stay over there man you're you're on a good wicket stay over there yeah (laughs) but um you know i was working on a a tv show that gave me such like anxiety and Mm -hmm. stress and Mm -hmm. i absolutely destroyed me like chopped me up to every molecule and like like was such a stressful environment that i like didn't know who i was and I will say like coming through that and learning to build myself up again and you know dealing with like a multi-million dollar budget and multi-million dollar crew who kind of like talk to you like you're not nothing you know to claim a space to be able to fight and claim a space on that set weirdly like I, I say like it broke me but then it it solidified hardened you it as hardened well. me a yeah. lot and like, that, yeah. and one thing that's really weird is that I feel people in the industry who kind of are behind that barrier yeah. can sense when you're hardened, and that to me is like one of the sadder things about the film industry. Yeah, is that yeah. Like, it's like it's like you're combat ready. Yeah, yeah, but it's like the people who are you know like the the top producers and the that dr- thick skin, the directors, but we're all thick skinned mm. and we're all calloused like mm. we're all like battle worn and like and it's it's weird now like i can go into a room and literally like sense who has gone through that sort of stress mm-hmm. and to me that's like that is one of the sadder realities of the film industry yeah it moves from that passive aggression to aggression and yeah. then you have the the drop shoulder after yes. that i know i know exactly what you're yeah. talking about it happens a lot on tv yeah uh, no, film a little bit yeah but it's more yeah. i'd say more tv it's definitely more tv yeah but it's a really hard like pill to swallow especially like and, and i don't say i don't obviously tell this story to like a lot of aspiring filmmakers because they don't want to hear that like you know you have to be destroyed to get to a certain level but like it it did happen to me and it's like, a hazing yeah and that that i hope changes and if that's why i'm like you know, even though I'm working at this side of the industry now, like, I still want to be part of the conversation that's mm. happening. I still want to be around, like, filmmakers who are, who are like, you know, making shorts and kind of, like, figuring out what works for them. Because, like, I never want to kind of lose sight of that in myself. Yeah. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you don't want to lose yourself in that. Yeah. yeah I know what you're saying, but I, I, I've, had, I've had a lot of time to think about this. <laughs> uh, I think it's to do with money. Uh, yeah. With TV, the bottom line is everything totally it's everything yes Uh, it's about commercial space um everything's on the line and if you stuff up you're out and you need and and you are easily replaced oh there is so many people who can just do your job yeah yeah. you're very easily replaced uh in film it's all about we got this production and we got this story to tell yeah and everyone loves it everyone's gonna have a great time yeah we're pissing money against the wall and we don't care about getting it back yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) i I feel like films are, are, are a bit more passion led yeah but the problem is that uh, tv makes more money yeah it does but there's another spectrum out there that i've realized and that's Mm. the social media spectrum yeah there's these up-and-comers that are we're finding ways to make money that don't necessarily require nastiness yeah and that's what i'm getting excited about is that me as well that's us that's (laughs) us it's all of us us. no it's like i think that's the 
the, we'll talk about these combat hardened days in yeah. 20 years time go oh it used to be rough back in our day I mean that's day. that was that's what was funny is that when I was working on this show um Halal Girls was dropping at the same time mm. and I remember like I'm not even going to joke about this. Like, Halal Girls saved my life because, like, I could look at my phone and be like, oh, look, I got, like, 80,000 views on my trailer and, like, I have, you know, hundreds of comments uh, of support from these people mm. who are appreciating this, like, small web series that I made and that would get me through the day, you know? And it, it made me feel human to because like on tv you're just kind of like a machine like you so do- it was a little bit of a meditation mantra that you had <laughs> where you go i know i'm having a shitty day but i can reference this moment over here yeah, yeah it I really like too. yeah and i think like i think that's my dichotomy between uh film and tv yeah yeah and that you know the the emergence of digital technology and like the different platforms i think has definitely changed everything for me because like when i was in film school i was just like, oh, I want to be a feature film director. I want to be Tarantino and, like, do all this stuff. I'm going to be a hero. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm going to be, like, the director who sits on top of everything. I tried to break my voice as much as I could saying that. I'm going to be a hero. (laughs) That was probably what I sounded like. Yeah. But, yeah, but knowing that there's, like, digital technology, there is such a democratization Mm. of the landscape now that, like, you know, if you even if you create a show and release it on YouTube, you're still tapping into your audience, you know? Totally. And, and, and I say this sincerely, like a lot of the existing film industry do not know how to tap into digital, the digital space. No, there's certainly a separation. Yes. There's a void. Um, and, and that's, I, I guess, um, that's part of the, the inspiration for the podcast mm. is to try and link these things together yeah. to try and inspire people and, um, and then showcase what we're doing Yeah, and, and bringing a social media audience to that field. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are, there, there's me and others that are doing this and, um, I think it's a really positive thing really is. Um, but look, I think we, we need to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vaughn. Um, but once again, uh, check out Hello Girls premiering this Friday at the Riverside Theatres in Parramatta. Yes. Um, mate, I cannot thank you enough thank uh, you for being a part of so our community. Much. Oh, God. I hope um, half of this is usable. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, all of it is totally useful. And it's been a great discussion. I think we've actually broken the record for the longest podcast that we've ever That's done. That's me, because I will not stop talking. Yeah, yeah. I and I realise that because I'm like, it's just going to take me forever to edit. Because yeah. I, look, don't get me wrong, I'm upgrading the studio soon we're going to do live uh, edit but at at this time I still need to take the cards out and ingest them later and then do a do an edit I am not like I feel sorry for you no don't feel sorry (laughs) for me I love like like we were talking about it before I love editing content even though it's three in the morning sometimes it's what gets me going just wait five minutes and then you'll be into it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, just give it some time but a big lesson out there kids a little bit of hard work gets you a long way but thank you for joining the page train and don't forget to check out Still Searching Productions we do foley we do promotions we do short films we do commercials check us out on our website still searching productions.com and thank you yvonne for being on the show thank you so much i'm gonna wave to camera <laughs> all right we're done buddy we're done we're done oh god <laughs> oh wow where are we running oh wow hour and a half oh sorry my bad no, don't apologize man. don't apologize man every moment of that is gold i'm 